today's reading can be found on page 36 in the Church Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at the 22nd verse. That night, Jacob got up and took his wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket was of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Okay continues on to chapter 33. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and the children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and and saw the women and children. "Who, Who are these with you? he asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has sent graciously. These are the they are the children God has graciously given your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, um, I said to Chris before the service, you got any ideas about this reading? Because I'm a bit clueless. And then Sandra sat down next to me and said, gosh, that reading's a bit challenging. So, um, if we manage to get through this and you understand one, one, one more thing about uh, this story, then we, we've got success. So um, let, let's, hope, let's hope we get there. So, so thanks, Chris, for, for reading that. The, um, the reading, I have to say, is a little, little bit odd. Here we have a, uh, a man called Jacob who met with God face-to-face in the middle of the night, and God wrestles with him. Um, you see a picture up there, what it, what it possibly could have looked like, but, but unlikely. Jacob puts up a really good fight um, with God, realizes, and God realises that Jacob is putting up a good fight. So God touches his tendon of Jacob's hip and dislocates it. This could be what it looked like as well. And yet still limping, Jacob continues to wrestle with God. We see that day breaks and God asks to leave. But Jacob says he cannot go until he blesses him. So here we have 
a God who we thought was a God of love and kindness, wrestling in the dark with a man, dislocating his hip, and then we see that this Jacob appears to continue fighting God and actually wins the fight with God, and God asks to leave. Not quite the image of God that we had in our heads, perhaps. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, help us to see past this story of Jacob's hip, to deeper understand the meaning behind this story, and help us understand how this story will change our own lives today. Amen. So let's take, um, let's take one step back, so we don't, have, uh, we don't have a hope of understanding this story unless we sort of backtrack a bit and re- read the chapters before um, th- this reading um, in Genesis. Um, as you can see up there, we start, we, we, we're doing a sermon series on Genesis, which is all about new beginnings, and, and we started that off with Amanda telling us all about creation, which is an obvious new beginning. Then Sandra went on to tell us about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were obviously perfect when they were made by God, but they sinned. God wasn't happy with them, um, and let, let them know that he wasn't happy with them. Then Tim came and preached to us to talk about how God destroyed the earth because he was unhappy with how... Um, man had sinned and sent a flood, destroyed all those people, almost with a fresh start. And then last week we moved on with Hovan to Abraham, Abraham being the father of God's people, a special father of a special family with a special plan and a special place to live, who would prepare the way for Jesus' coming eventually in the future. And today we're talking about a member of Abraham's family called Jacob, and Jacob's hip, And uh, this is uh, because Jacob is the start of the new nation of God's people called the Israelites. So how do we get from Hovan's um, sermon last week with Abraham to our sermon today about Jacob? Well, you can, um, I've got a few questions for you. You If you can see that, then you can answer these questions. You might know this in your head. This is the family tree of Abraham. Who did Abraham marry? If you were listening carefully last week to Hovan, he mentioned who Abraham married. Few people are saying it. Sarah, yeah, excellent. Sarah, they had a son called Isaac. Yeah, brilliant. And Isaac married Rebecca. And they had twins called Jacob and Esau. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. And that was without looking as well. Brilliant. So here's a picture of Esau and Jacob. They were twins, so they look very similar. Um, Esau was the firstborn. In other words, he popped out first even though they were twins. So technically, he inherited all of Isaac's wealth, all his possessions, his family rights to power when Isaac, when Isaac passed on when he was older. Similarly to today's royal family, the oldest male becomes the heir to the throne. So it's, it's a similar, similar pattern to that. It's, the, it's called the birthrights. The oldest son has the birthright of that family. But God had special plans for Jacob. Jacob was going to go on to be the key figure forming the future generation of God's people called the Israelites. And those who know the end of Genesis and the story of Joseph Joseph and his special coat will know that Jacob's 11 sons go on to be the 11 tribes of the Israelites who are God's people. But instead of relying on God to show Jacob the way to being the leader of the next generation of God's people, he took it upon himself to set his own future. If we look at the next slide, despite Esau being the firstborn and entitled to becoming the head of the family, Jacob sneakily tricked Esau into giving up his birthright. Because Esau was out in the fields one day, hunting, and he came back absolutely starving back home. In fact, he was so starving that he was on the verge of death. 
He got home and Jacob was cooking and he said, Jacob, please make me a meal. I'm starving. But Jacob, knowing that Esau had the birthright, wanted that birthright, so he said, I'll only give you food. In other words, I'll only save your life if you give up your birthright and call me the head of the family when our father dies. Later on, many years later, when Isaac was on the verge of death, we look at the the next slide, this is Isaac on his deathbed. We hear that um, Isaac wanted to bless his eldest son Esau and declaring the blessing that he would go on to rule the household. But Rebekah, their mother, and Jacob tricked their blind father into believing that Jacob was in the room for the blessing. Whilst Esau was out finding food for his father, Jacob got blessed by pretending to be his brother. When Esau found out about this, he was furious, and word spread that he wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob went into hiding for 20 years in another village. So it's here that we come to our story today. With that background, now we know where where we're at today. Jacob has decided after 20 years of worrying about his brother and their relationship that he needs to make amends with him. Although Jacob knows he is God's chosen person to take forward the community of God's people, he hasn't been focused on this at all. All he has spent his time worrying about is his brother Esau and all the things that he did horrible to him in the past. So assuming his brother Esau is still furious with him and wants to kill him, he sends a messenger ahead to say that he is willing to give him herds of cattle as gifts and maidservants to make amends, and he declares himself as Esau's servant. He packs his four wives and their children off ahead of him and all his possessions across the river on the journey to meet his brother. And if we move on to the next slide. The next thing we hear is that all alone, in the middle of the night, a man, who we later identify as God, wrestles with him. Hosea 12 tells us that this man is an angel of God. They wrestle all night and Jacob stays strong and keeps going. God realises that Jacob is not beaten and so he dislocates his hip. Now limping, Jacob continues to fight with this man, which we now know is God. As day breaks, the man, as we now know is God, asks to leave. Jacob says, not until you bless me. God then says, what is your name? And remember back in the story, Jacob, when asked by his blind father, what's your name? He lied and said he was Esau just so he could get his father's blessing. Jacob says, my name is Jacob. The man then tells him that this is the new name of, his new name is Israel, meaning struggled with God. And then God blesses him. So the next slide. Why on earth would God wrestle with Jacob? It's almost unheard of, isn't it, that we see God fighting. We have this image of God as being perfect and not not getting involved in fights, and then we have him coming down to earth as a man and fighting Jacob. Well, here's a few points that might make it slightly clearer. The first one, with the next slide. This is a lesson for Jacob and for us. God had set aside a plan for Jacob to lead a new nation, but he ignored this. He took it upon himself to sort his own future out in a deceitful way. God wanted to make Jacob realise that the struggle for his future was not with sorting out Esau or setting his own destiny, but instead his future lies in his struggle with God. The the next point. We are not in this passage told that Jacob wrestled with a man, 
But what the passage actually says is that God, or man, wrestled with Jacob. God started this fight. God wanted Jacob to wake up and realise that he had to submit to God before he could go on. God hunted him down. Next point. If God really wanted to, he could have done an awful lot of damage to Jacob. He could have dislocated all his joints. He could have destroyed Jacob if he wished. But this was not God's intention. God wanted Jacob to struggle because in that struggle with God, he woke up and realised what his priorities were. He recognised God to be the focus of his work. If Jacob had not gone through a night of wrestling with God, he would still be simply focused on his argument with his brother Esau and his own family problems, rather than the real job ahead. The next thing we notice is the battle lasted all night. This must have been exhausting. Why enjoy, endure a wrestle all night? Well, Jacob needed to become exhausted and worn out to submit to God. It would have been far too easy to have a bit of a fight for half an hour and for him to pick himself up and ignore what had just happened. To get to complete exhaustion and to take away all his strength required him to look seriously at who he was fighting and why. So the next point, why did he dislocate Jacob's hip? Jacob was winning, as we know he won the fight. Jacob was winning. There was a small chance, therefore, that Jacob may have felt rather smug with himself and rather chuffed. But right at the end, God dislocates his hip to make Jacob realise who he is dealing with. God had the power to make this happen. So here comes the main point of why God wrestled with Jacob. It was a turning point. Up until this point, Jacob had a superficial faith. He said and did the right things. He got things wrong. But his faith, his faith was only skin deep. It took a crisis for him to realise his true feelings and his true faith. When day broke and Jacob called out to God to bless him, the job had been done. God was reassured that Jacob had changed. He had become Israel and was now ready to take on the leadership of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And here we see Jacob and Esau. As it happens, when Jacob finally reached his brother Esau, he welcomed him with open arms and gave him a hug. So he needn't have spent the last 20 years really worrying about his brother. So why does this matter? Moving on to how we can learn from this for our lives today. How does this ma why does this matter? Well, the first thing, the aim. God allows the struggle with the aim of producing a deeper faith. How many of us are only superficial Christians? Have we really struggled with God to understand him? To understand what he wants in our lives? To struggle with him about our futures? To overcome our sins and weaknesses, which are all so easy to overtake our lives if we don't struggle with building a relationship with God? And then when do we struggle with God? Do we struggle with God when a child dies? When a baby is killed? When we are diagnosed with something horrid? When we see natural disasters killing many? When a loved one passes on? When life crashes down around us? When we struggle with God, the result is either that we give up 
will we look up? We can do as Jacob did, and we can continue trying to do everything ourselves and cope ourselves, or we can recognise how needy we are in life and turn to God for help. We can resist God, or we can trust him. The hardest times in our lives can bring us to the point where we have to make this decision. We carry on as we are, or we really trust in God. The next point. Even though we resist God, he pursues us. When God gave instructions to Jacob about his future leadership of Israel, Jacob ignored him, and he went about doing things his own way. Why didn't God just give up on him and perhaps let Esau take it on and not bother wasting his time on Jacob? But God pursued Jacob. He didn't give up on him. And he started the fight to make him realise that God was Jacob's future. So this leaves us with two final questions. What are you wrestling with today? Have you let God wrestle with you? Have you let him show you that he is not going to give up on you? He is going to keep on pursuing you. He wants you to spend time wrestling with him so that you deepen your understanding of him and what he has to offer for your lives. And the second question, what is God calling out to you today? If you are sitting there wrestling with something, wrestling with your faith, wrestling with your understanding of and relationship with God, then don't wrestle on your own. If you feel you would like to chat it through with anyone, then chat it through with anyone that you've seen at the front today, or stay behind after the service in the side chapel and chat it through with the prayer ministry team. But please do something about it. Don't go home wrestling without support. Let's finish with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you continue to pursue us, each one of us, every single day, desperate for us to wrestle with you, desperate for us to better understand our relationship with you, desperate for us to know what you want us to do with our futures. Lord, give us the confidence to wrestle with you and not ignore your request for a fight to deepen our faith. Amen.